everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost. The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Uh, brain went a little blank, blank there for a second. Uh, anyway, we are, the football season might be over, but we are now moving into the beginning of our off-season content. Um, hopefully this one will not be as... Um, Long and strange as the last one was, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's all if we've learned anything about 2020, it's going to be long and strange. It's just what variety, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, our initial content here is uh, related to National Signing Day, because, you know, if you follow college football, the uh, the lifeblood of any pro- program is recruiting. And um, so we're going to start off here with a little uh, interview segment with two members of uh, Rice Athletics creative team, uh, Caroline Hall and Trey Jackson, uh, who do absolutely fantastic work um, from, you know, if you saw the incredible videos that the program put out after the win over Marshall uh, to the incredible graphics and, and videos and those things that uh, that came with signing day and the, the, the flight school, those graphics and those sorts of things, uh, all that comes from these guys. So they, they do a really incredible job. So uh, we're going to, talk to them here in just a second uh and then we're gonna go through and break down the signing class the um the 18 players i believe that signed with rice uh i think all on wednesday at, at the first day of the early signing period and uh go through what those guys are bringing to the class right uh we are here now with our guests uh caroline hall and trey jackson how are y'all doing good how are you good as anyone is these days I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've made it through a, well, we haven't made it through a pandemic, right? But we're making it through a pandemic and we've got through a football season, which is a further one than we thought we might have been a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just just happy that we were able to play some games. Yeah, and so y'all had, uh, it, it's funny, we, we were just talking before this how the fans were kind of off off to the side a little bit and watching from afar. And so really the only way to connect them to some of the things that were going on with the program and on with the field um, was, was y'all's work through the the graphics and, and visual. And so uh, if you could real quick, just give us a run up of, of what y'all do as a part of that production team at, at Rice and kind of um, what this year was like for y'all um, with that in-between role between the fans and, and the program. Yeah, so I mean, even in a traditional year, it's a challenge because we're a really small department. And so there's pretty much one of us to handle each aspect from graphics and photos and broadcast, um, which we kind of try to help each other out when we can. Um, but with all the teams that we have and being a small unit, um, it can definitely be challenging to try to spread our efforts evenly across the board or as evenly as we can. Um, and so when you take fans out of the picture, that kind of adds a lot on our plate because not only, you know, do you not have the fans there watching, but now it's our sole responsibility to kind of like show them what's going on because they can't be there in person. So it's definitely been um, a task. And I think probably now more than the past few months, we're buckling up for everything that's coming in January and February with all of our fall sports starting up at the same time. Um, so, you know, football's behind us, but I feel like the biggest challenge, uh, is ahead. So it was, it was an interesting experience to say the least. Um, but kind of like Trey was talking earlier, it was cool to see how teams across the country and creative teams across the country kind of tackled the same problem. And, um, I think there was a lot of collaboration and, and 
working between teams to kind of figure out some good processes. And so it was, it was a fun challenge, but uh, definitely a little anxious for <laughs> what lies ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with everything Caroline said. Um, I think this year was, uh, it was challenging in, in those aspects because we had, I mean, we're a small department, so um, we're spread thin as is, but there was also a little bit of um, kind of fire under our belly to get more content out. Um, because with no fans being able to experience the game, um, we kind of had to bring that experience to a, a social and digital platform. Um, so we had to put out as much good content as we possibly could. Um, and I think we were, I think we did a great job with all of our videos and photos. Uh, that's kind of what we we're trying to do. We wanted to make sure fans could still have a game day feel, even if they were, you know, sitting from their couch at home. Yeah. And, and there was a, a couple of big moments in here. Uh, and, and one of those, I guess there was two that really come to mind. Uh, I want to kind of talk through flight school and kind of everything that went behind National Signing Day, too. Uh, but I also wanted to hit on the the Marshall win and everything that went behind that. Uh, the video you had, I think it was Keeper on Page in the, in the locker room, like screaming at everybody, like making me want to run through a wall. Um, like, what's that like just kind of being a, a fly on the wall for, for moments like that? And how did all of that happen and, and kind of pull it together into like a short, I guess it was a, like a three or four minute video that like was, you know, probably one of the more impactful moments this program has had in a, a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun locker room to be in. I'll, I'll say that KP is, is the king of hype speeches and he does it every game pre-game halftime post-game if we have a win um so it's definitely you know I, I'm always there ready for his speech because I know he's going to make it so you know Bloom will come in and he'll give his speech and then it's always KP's turn so he leads the speech and then the chance and it's always it's always fun to hear what he has up his sleeve each week but uh wait so who know? gives better speeches Bloom or KP you know, it depends on the day. They both, they're both really good at it. I was actually pretty mad. Uh, the Marshall game, you saw a post game. Bloom said, you know, I'm, I'm going to read you something from earlier today. I said, when they ask us how you did it, you'll say unwavering belief in myself and in my brothers. That came from a speech at the hotel before we even left for the game that I don't ever film those speeches. And so I wished if I had known, I would have done it. It would have tied it all together, but. You know, those speeches are usually more like intimate and it's just not something they usually pull the camera out for. But those locker rooms are so fun and, and the kids we have in the program right now are just so bought in. And so to see them, you know, finally get a win like that, that they fought so hard for. And we had so many close calls last year and, you know, especially after the season, they had being prepared every week and time and time again, you know, game day comes along, day before the game comes along and, and we're not playing. Um so it was really, really cool to see them get to have that locker room experience. And it's a blast to piece it all together. Taking the bad words out is always a challenge, but uh, <laughs> part of the job. <laughs> I think on the, like for the rest of the creative team, it was just like, we have been waiting to blow this team up on a big win for so long. Um, and there've been so many cl close calls where we were ready to pull the trigger and go crazy. Uh, and it was super like, it was very like exciting and relieving to finally be able to like pull the trigger and say, Hey, we did it. And we pulled out all this content that, um, and all these ideas that we've basically been sitting on for a while. But, uh, yeah, it was super fun to be able to experience that. 
Yeah, I think that that's interesting now that you mention it, because I, 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 I do that as well. You have a couple things. You're like, when the moment comes, like you don't want to be starting after the clock hits zero with a blank piece of paper and say, let's go. You have to have everything kind of teed up, but then you kind of have to keep refreshing it and have it ready yeah. and get it kind of push it down. And okay, good. I'm not, I'm glad I'm not the only one that prepares for the oh, no. uh, seven versions of how this could end. Always have to be two steps ahead. Thank yeah, you. always got to be ready for whatever whatever's going to happen, even the quadruple bedoink off of the goal. <laughs> oh gosh, and, and what is that, Carter? Have we and have we now brought it up in like six out of like eight successive episodes? Yeah, we, we managed to go along like a, a decent enough period that like the morning time had passed, and now I feel like we're going going back to a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> It's still funny. Oh man, that would, you y'all would have. I want to see what the uh, in your uh, archives of, of what would the the hype video would have been at, had that bounced in. We would have we would have found I a way to uh, sink it in there. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that? What was that like after Marshall? So I'm sure you you guys have like some concepts and some, some ideas pulled together, like you said. So you're not starting from scratch, uh, but you have the big win, and then you have. I don't want to know. I mean, actually, I do. How many pictures and hours of video, and you have to take that and you condense it into a video that fits on whatever Twitter will let you tweet. So it's yeah, it's a lot, and especially in a year like this, you have to be really conscious about like what you're putting out and if it's um, portraying the right things as far as like safety of our student athletes. Um, so you know, there's times when they're on the field, but they're not necessarily thinking about like. Oh, that's a really big play. Let me throw my mask on real quick before I get within close distance of someone. So sometimes that like automatically eliminates um, the use of some things, which is always frustrating, but I get it. Um, but like, I mean, any week, any game, any sport, it it's the, you know, every clip I have of every play of the game. And then I have to go through and watch every clip and label every clip. So it might be Giovanni Johnson pass toss and trammel for first down far sideline good reaction so that I can just type in keywords and find what I want. So after that, that usually takes a couple hours. Then you get it in to start editing and you finding the music is usually the first thing I do, which is the hardest part <laughs> because you can kind of think like, Oh, I want this song that's going to, you know, give the viewer this feeling. But like, how do you type that into a search engine? You know, like dramatic song with like it's just it's hard to find and then it just kind of all starts coming together once once you get that going and when you have nice speeches that helps a lot too and good plays to use um it just kind of it's just telling a story and, and bringing people along with me if they were there sitting on the sideline next to me and kind of trying to portray what it felt like um in those moments and i love doing that it's a blast i think we were all I mean, we've had we've had a few big moments for um, some of our other sports, like when volleyball beat Texas too. So we kind of like we're we're ready, you know. We're always ready, like we know exactly what we want to do. Um, but then Caroline has been so good about being able to take the specific nuances about that game, like unwavering belief um, and things that happen just naturally during the game, and throwing that into um, the recaps that that she puts out. And so it sounds like y'all, like the team itself, built a, a kind of chemistry together of of being on the same page and being in the right places. So when those moments happen, you can kind of uh, share them with the world, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
every week to plan kind of, you know, what's on the horizon, you know, what are the possible scenarios that we need to be prepared for and uh, what do we each need to do to be ready in that moment. So it's a lot of prep work for sure and just being ready to adjust, especially in, in a year like this, but um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, communication is key. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing I w- want to make sure we hit on was uh, the National Signing Day. Um, I've talked a little bit to a- Alex Brown, uh, director of recruiting. I know he's kind of helped you guys put that together uh, about flight school and how that idea uh, came about. But from uh, the concept of, hey, it's flight school, let's be planes and stuff. I, I don't know what direction Alex gave you. Maybe you can kind of take us behind the scenes, but how do you go from that idea to, I mean, every player had a video and a graphic and there were planes flying over and there were highlights. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. I mean, first off, Alex Brown's the, the man, uh, him and his team did a really awesome job of making sure we had everything we needed to get all of this done. And it was really just bringing their vision to life and everything that they've kind of built around that flight school concept all year long. I don't know if you saw like the, uh, what was it? Try the like official offer letters for like boarding passes. And yeah, yeah. They've had all these elements that have that gone into kind of like planes and flight school and all that. And so they really wanted to show like, you know, you got all that. Now you're here. And so kind of going from wherever you are, you got all that done. You're part of flight school. Now you're here at Rice. Um, and so it being a virtual year, honestly, I kind of felt like it was easier in a way because typically like you're relying on guys to come visit campus for you to have any kind of photos or video of them that are like high quality or usable. And so if you have like one guy or two guys that like don't ever come for a visit, we have to like scramble and try to figure out like, Oh, I can't fake video of him. Like Trey might be able to like try and like Photoshop his head on someone else's body and like try to make it look not weird, but like video, I can't just like, I can't, I'm not an animator. I don't know how to do that. So it was almost, uh, I think there are definitely things that we did this year that we can take moving forward, I think, and make it easier on ourselves because I felt like it was such a smooth process. We just asked kids to submit their own photo and Trey made them look really good, even if it was a grainy iPhone picture. But um, it was a, definitely a unique challenge, but I really enjoyed it. And I honestly thought it was easier than years past. Yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely surprised at how how smooth it all went. Um, if you had asked me that in November, I probably wouldn't have given you that answer, but um, I was very surprised at how, and pleasantly surprised at how smooth it all went. And I, I think the the mantra of flight school is a, is a great name and a great um, like image imagery of this, how the students will go from wherever they are. Um, they get on a plane. Most of them probably do get on a plane because they're from out of state. If they from out of state uh, and yeah, if they're a plane, a plane from Alabama. And then they, uh, <laughs> they come to rise. I think, I think it was their commitment, uh, graphics were boarding passes. Um, and so we, we followed that. We wanted to tell that whole story through to when you get to rice. Um, so the, it made sense for the, to go from boarding passes to their, I think the, the 24 hours was you're checked into your flight. Um, uh, cause the, you know, when you fly Southwest, I know yeah. I only fly Southwest, you check in 24 hours before. So our tomorrow graphic was, um, congrats, you're checked into your flight. Um, and then the whole experience of the signing day was, uh, based on luggage and you're coming, you're coming through, um, the airport and going to ride. So everyone had their picture on their luggage and stuff. Yeah. The entire thing, it was, 
and it's it's funny, especially like it's 2020, right? And I don't remember um, the last time personally I was on a plane. Um, it's it's been longer than than usual. So seeing all that all that ca- kind of compiled together kind of made it. Uh, it kind of made the faraway experience of for most people watching this. These are a bunch of 18 year old kids that they've never met. Most people have never seen any of their highlight videos. Probably don't know what position they play. Uh, you know, the diehards do, but being able to put all that together. And then uh, I, I was talking with Carter Bohoran about some of the highlight videos uh, with the, or the highlight videos, the interviews with the coaches. Um, did you have a, I, I'm sure you did any fun outtakes uh, from there or any favorite coaches that y'all enjoyed getting to work with to put some of those together? Those videos, all the credit goes to Roger Hayhurst and football. Um, him and yeah. Ryan did an incredible job on, on, conducting all those interviews and putting that together. So I'm sure there were plenty of outtakes and really good moments from behind the scenes. I'll have to see if we can get us a blooper reel. Yeah, there we go. Especially Sanders Davis. I want to know how many outtakes it took him to get. We're not even going to try to say the offensive lineman. His last name is Pepe. Yes. I asked. I I think think I 10 times how to say it. But I'm sure he's been on lots of phone calls with him, so he probably needs to have it done by now. I was gonna say, I think all of that content even like just flowed so smoothly, in my opinion. Like I think um, from just still graphic, which I think is ultra important. I feel like a lot of schools um, put so much stuff around the announcement that you kind of miss, like the kid's name and his vitals and stuff like that. Um, and then going from that into uh, the kid's highlights, and then this coach talking about it with the, the interview style, and then. We had videos that Roger and uh, Ryan also put together about why Rice, so the kid would um, explain why he chose Rice in um, a few sentences. I think all that content um, really flowed together, um, and you got to know the kid and his story, got to know what the coaches think about him, and then you got to see the kid on the field. Um, and so I think that was all like very well put together. So shout out to the football staff for helping us out with those um, the interviews and the why Rice videos. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was a great year. Yeah, I, I, I certainly enjoyed, and I mean, I've been tracking and, and following these, these kids probably, hopefully as close as anybody. And I still enjoyed getting to, to kind of watch and see those. And, uh, before we did let you go, I want to just kind of hit some high points. I know it was like, it was a crazy year, but, uh, any, uh, particular, you've guys talked about some things you learn or carry over. Was there any, uh, favorite moments, favorite projects, favorite things that kind of, when you look back at the, weirdness of, of 2020 you uh you'll kind of uh you know put in your portfolio or, or kind of remember uh from this crazy season i'm trying to think so there's a lot of things that have happened in 2020 y'all were pretty busy <laughs> yeah this i feel like it slowed down for a lot of people but for us it really never slowed down in fact it probably sped up <laughs> i'd say i think you know, one thing in the off season that we really were focusing on because we couldn't be there with our student athletes, there wasn't practice going on, there weren't games or anything, was really what can we do from a content standpoint to show who our student athletes are as people and not just not just athletes. And so, you know, we do the rookie reports with football every year and those are some of my favorite um projects that we do. But we try to do that a little bit with soccer and volleyball as well. And I'm sure we'll continue to do that um with basketball as we continue moving forward and try to get to everyone. But we have so many awesome kids at Rice, and uh, they have amazing stories, and they're all incredible people. So anytime we get to really dive into who they are, 
um, behind the number and behind the jersey. It's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I think I think something else that I remember have fond memories of is when we did the uh, the virtual rewatch parties. Uh, I think those were like kind of like we had the we highlight the student athletes, but we also didn't want to forget about the fans that are basically missed out on a full baseball season. Um, and so when we when we covered the 20, 2013 national championship for the baseball team, just like it was happening, um, I felt like that was I felt that we covered that successfully. Um, and we got I feel like we got a lot of positive feedback from that. So that's something I look back and I'm fond of. Yeah, I remember live tweeting and, and following through those games. It was fun because, you know, like you never know how the, how the real games are going to end. But watching the games that you know are going to end up fun makes it easy to prepare for. And, you know, it's it's nice. You know, we don't not all of the games in that way. Right. So it's nice to kind of get to rewatch. I mean, I guess we're getting more now. We got the Marshall one and we'll just kind of keep building on them. Add them, add them to the, the re- repertoire, so to speak. Just, you know, there's a happy ending. So it makes your life easier. Yeah. Either. So we'll get on Bloom and we'll tell him to, uh, you know, keep the wins coming, make y'all's life easier, make our lives easier. He's got it. He's got it. Next year, I think it'll be a really, really awesome year. But all the kids we have in the program are awesome and they're all really excited about, you know, what, what he's done with the place. And I really think, you know, as cliche as it is, trust the process really, uh, rings true with Bloom and what he's done here at Rice. So excited to see it pay off. I think it really, if we had a normal season, I think it would have been a lot different, but um, confident that next year will be really exciting for Rice fans. Yeah, I yeah, can mark I think, a few games on our schedule this year that I think would have been wins. And I, wins. I, I think it's interesting. Yeah, there there was definitely some opportunity there, but I think it's kind of cool and it, it kind of speaks to um, from an outsider's perspective. I don't I don't walk through the Patterson center every day um although i am as close as as most folks to this to this program it's cool to kind of see y'all here and talk about the program and the athletes um and how bought y'all y'all are in uh from the you know production and and the media side uh and not the x's and o's uh you know that it's it's neat neat to see that um full 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 picture coming kind of full circle um and uh and we uh do want to say thanks for for giving us some some of your time and kind of talking us through um, some of the fun stuff. Uh, any, anything that, uh, any sneak peeks, any spoilers that we can uh, expect in, in the coming days and, and weeks, or we're going to get some cool stuff uh, coming visually or, or graphically? We don't know what our schedule <laughs> at this point. <laughs> everything in my calendar is in pencil. So. Well, I, w- I wish I could tell y'all something. I w- yeah. <laughs> this close to having another big one today with, uh, with women's basketball and a I know. Yeah, we were. No. That'd be fun. March. I'm sure we'll have some big things from them this year for sure. Yeah, there'll be plenty yeah. more opportunities. Hopefully. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be fun. <laughs> uh, well, we will. Uh, we'll let y'all get out of here. And, and thanks again, um, Miss Caroline Hall and Trey Jackson from the Rice Creative team. Um, go ahead and, and, and give them. Is it Go Owls Creative? Did I get that right on Rice, Twitter? Rice. It's Rice Creative never dies. Wow. Or really? <laughs> oh, now we've now we got it. That's the Twitter account's name? I thought it was Go Owls Creative. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about like. <laughs> no. I, I literally have it on my whiteboard. <laughs> I have it Yes, at Go Owls Creative. At Go Owls Creative. Yes, at Go Owls Creative. But Rise Creative also never dies. Don't forget no, that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I like this. <laughs> I, want, I want t shirts. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. 
Trey design one. Come on, you're the one. Who... I might. That might be the uh, the new surprise. In, I in all ask. your free time. Yeah, whenever whenever <laughs> they let you have a break. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll some... for having us on. Uh, yeah, thank you, you guys. We talk about this stuff very much, so it's always exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We will. Uh, we'll stay in touch, and you know, like you said, hopefully we get some uh, some more fun stuff that comes out of Rice, Ath- Rice Athletics, and we have uh, more reason to talk about uh, all the neat stuff that y'all are working on. We certainly had fun, so uh, thank y'all for stopping by and uh, go eat some Christmas cookies and, and take a break for you know maybe twenty four hours. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'll try my best. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks so much to Caroline and Trey for joining us. Uh, and now we'll move on to uh, breaking down the actual signing class, which I believe I said 18 earlier. That is uh, 18 proper signees and then an additional grad transfer. So so 19 guys added to the class right now, if you will. But uh, yeah, it's exciting. This is um, one of the things that's had me most excited about this this staff, this uh, last couple of years within the program is is the recruiting, because that's that's how you build a program. Uh, and I've been happy about not only the the results in terms of, you know, I think they had one of the best classes, if not the best class in school history last year. And this one is on track to beat that. But also just the general strategy, uh, in particular from a broader geographic perspective. And I'm not just saying that because they just signed four guys from my home state Alabama, of Alabama, but that doesn't hurt. The more Alabama boys, the better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't go wrong. Yeah, I think actually, did we get, I think there was actually technically three Alabama signees, one more commit that's, uh, he's told me he's signing in February. Uh, So we'll get another Alabama signee for you. We'll keep (laughs) the pipeline going. Is that good? Uh, I I can live with it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to all these people. Uh, we have a lot. If you're not a, a subscriber on Patreon, you uh, want to get over there at patreon.com slash at the roost. We got a lot of stuff there. We broke down uh, in detail the offensive class, the defensive class, a uh, couple takeaways, and uh, we have a, a, a tracker. Uh, I don't know, Carter, this this is a, a good uh, comparison. I don't know how closely you've looked at the 247 uh, composite and stuff that is uh, tracking for Alabama players and for Rice players. And uh, <laughs> I, I bet you you've noticed that uh, whenever a uh, four star or five star player commits to Alabama, that gets up there pretty quick. Um, yeah, yeah. Usually goes fast. Usually goes fast. Uh, there were weeks where a Rice commit did not get put up onto the site um, and did not have a rating. And Rice, I, I, I have to go find the number. I believe that there were seven or eight of these guys that committed and didn't even have a two, four, seven profile. Um they didn't exist in their database at the time of committing because Rice isn't just going scouting off other people. They're kind of doing their own work. And uh, there's more than more than one Power 5 school that kind of takes note at who tweets out a Rice offer. Um, you you might notice Kansas or, or Boston College following <laughs> close behind. They were really bad last year. I didn't notice it as much this year. But yeah, uh, we have an offer tracker. You can uh, kind of check out the the commits, the signees, the offers for 2021. And actually, Rice put out two 2022 offers during uh, early signing the early signing period. That's all on there for, for Patreon subscribers. You can track that. Um, and we'll get into the next class. But uh before we get there, like Carter mentioned, we do want to talk about the uh, 2021 uh, signees so far, which are, uh, you know, last year was the highest rated class in school history. Um, and this year is, you know, by 
a what is that a hundred thousandth of a percentage point better <laughs> than last year's class so far um and they're not done so uh you're looking at what could be two of the the top two classes in program history um and you what year, year three and counting of uh the blooming era at, at rice so from a talent perspective uh you couldn't really ask for too much better could you <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, it's going well. It's a uh, <laughs> good. Uh, that's that's how you get better. Is you 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 bring in better players, and um, this this class is this staff is is really been really been getting the let out, uh, getting these guys in the program. Yeah, not much rocket science there, right? <laughs> Go get better players, and you win more football games. It is kind. Of, it's kind of nice when you can. Uh, and this was. I guess we saw the the worst case and the best case scenario of this, right? When Rice went up and and beat Marshall, and they did it without their starting quarterback, their best wide receiver, and their starting running back. And the guys <laughs> who stepped up in their place was uh, Jake Bailey at wide receiver, who is one of the top, one of the top ten signees. Uh, but from a rating perspective in program history, um, the top signee in the 29th, what way he's the 2019 class. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. He was right. the top signee in that class. The, uh, by two, four sevens by the composite rating, the number eight highest rated prospect in rice history. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty good. You had Kalen Griffin who I don't, I don't know where he ended up being rated, but, uh, he was a stud starting running back in that game and the the guys who kind of carried the weight uh naeem smith another guy that this staff uh brought in from juco of course you have blaze aldridge you can go down the list of man you were without so many guys but you could turn into the next wave that this staff all <laughs> recruited and they won you that game which is fun i prefer i i, I will never ever forget when uh, i say that and i don't remember who got hurt but somebody <laughs> so, there there were some injuries and in, in the depth chart was pretty thin when Rice played Houston at Rice Stadium two years ago. And uh, the interaction on the sideline, you could kind of see from the press box when the coaching staff is looking over at, OK, who's next? And they get they pull Colin Whitaker in to guard Marcus Stevenson and nothing against Colin Whitaker. But he was a a scout team running back that moved to corner. And he was the last man off the bench in like the third quarter. And they said, okay, you scout team running back, go cover Marquez Stevenson. And uh, Rice isn't there anymore. Like the talent, the talent on this team, when you get to the third and fourth level, uh, was able to shut out Marshall, which is good. I mean, just think about what what we, you know, we talked about all, all season, such as it was that the, the secondary was was scraping the bottom of the depth chart at times, and they still got really nice results a lot of the time because those guys at that po- at that portion of the depth chart are now more talented guys than they had two years ago. Like the the way they've been able to increase the the quality of athlete they have on this roster in just a couple years while also completely changing offensive and defensive systems from the, the previous staff. And is is it's really impressive how quickly they they've done that. 
Yeah, and and as an aside, we should mention. I think Rice broke Grant Wells. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> so if you uh, if you turn tuned out of Conference USA after the last Rice game, I I don't blame you. But uh, Marshall did play UAB in the conference championship game, and Grant Wells started out zero for ten in that game, and uh, Marshall uh, lost. UAB ended up winning their second conference championship, third straight division title. Um, crazy finish for them. But yeah, Grant Wells looked like a shell of himself. So I think uh, Rice just might be breaking people, which, you know, I, I guess we, we don't officially know the conference schedule yet, but Marshall and Rice are probably not meeting up again unless it's a conference championship. And uh, I take our odds for a, a repeat. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's gone pretty well for Rice in, in major matchups over the last roughly seven years. Don't know why I picked seven. Just just totally at random. Couldn't be in reference to a specific year. Not at all. Um, so, yeah, you know, if 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 they want to match off in the in the conference championship game, maybe they'll there will be some kind of confusion about where it's getting hosted again. And they'll have something else to be mad about. Yeah, I'd be OK with that. <laughs> but, you know, and maybe by the time we get to that conference championship, some of these guys um, will be a part of that mix. Do we want to. And we won't go player per player, but we'll kind of talk some position groups and kind of get into um, what what the kind of roster looks like. You know, if if we get to a 2020 situation where these guys are first and second string by default, uh, maybe, but just kind of bigger picture where we're at. So do we want to start kind of looking at offense or defense or um, your favorite commit signee? Where, where, <laughs> where should the journey begin? Uh, let's go with offense since offense. that is the side of the ball on which we still have some more questions. Um, perhaps the area to start with here is, is, uh, the area that is not there, which is running back. Uh, Rice did not sign a running back early and does not have one currently committed. Uh, obviously that will be a, a probably a, a, uh, an area for emphasis going into February, or perhaps they look to the grad transfer or to the transfer market generally, since I think everyone's going to be eligible after with transfers this year. Um, but obviously they will, they will want to bring someone else in, in that room. So we'll just, we'll just get that out of the way, especially with, with Juwan King now in the transfer portal. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this class is really like beyond just one side of the ball. I think the thing that was defining about this class for me was size, um, some of you may have seen this on Twitter, but uh, Rice signed three or sorry, five players in this class, including all three of the currently signed offensive linemen uh, who are listed at over 300, at 300 pounds or more, which is in total equal to the number of guys. And actually, I think the breakdown is exactly the same. I think they have five guys on the roster who are 300 pounds or more, and three of them are offensive linemen. So, yeah, uh, that's uh that's nice because, you know, I, I think Bloom said it that, um, you know, sometimes technique wins and, and, you know, you have to be good with your your hand placement and you're, you know, got to work hard in the weight room and stuff. But like a lot of times in the trenches, like size just wins some. And, uh, you know, if you have 250 pound guys on the offensive line and the other team has 300 pounders at defensive tackle, that's a that's a rough matchup. And so it's nice to have a nice to have some big dudes in there. Yeah, and I as soon as uh, that was one of the things that Bloomgren kind of opened up with it with when he was talking with this class with, with the media, <laughs> he, he called it protein. 
I think that was uh, the defensive lines coach name for uh, the the big boys, but uh, which which I laughed at, and it was interesting. And I said, "So you're telling me it was it was no mistake that when you put a 300 pound guard in there at offensive line uh, for his debut against Marshall, uh, y'all y'all came away with one of the biggest wins in, in, in program history." He said that <laughs> having Isaiah Floyd uh, might have helped, um, and you know he's looked pretty darn good. Uh, up front but I think something when we talk about offensive line we talk about the size that kind of I took away from this class uh, just kind of a big picture thing and and I kind of detailed this in in a a write-up I had afterwards that this class was really one that was more about wants than needs and and Bloomberg alluded to that a little bit and I kind of hit on it too when the last year and the year before like when Rice was putting their class together they had deficits at position groups, but just from a body perspective of needing more scholarship guys. Uh, I think like corner was, was very clearly one of those when Rice got here. Uh, they they didn't have corners to play this scheme, to, to, to be true one-on-one man corners. That's just not what was on the roster. So they they needed to physically get guys who were 5'11 to 6'1 and 190 pounds you know and and could cover people and and you know and at that point they would settle for can cover people and not like filling out yeah. <laughs> a a specific uh you know you know quota of of pounds and, and strength and, and they couldn't really afford to if you were in the position when you were rice and it was 2018 and you had to choose between Hey, are we going to take and we can start with offensive line. Are you going to take this 310 pound offensive lineman that you think after two years can get up to 325 and have a year to learn or two to study? And by the time he's starting as a, a redshirt sophomore, he's 325 and he knows the scheme perfectly and all that. Like when you're in the 2018 class, you saw Rice bring in a lot of grad transfers because it was like. Hey, what do we need right now? We need somebody who can play left guard and can block, you know, Dion Novell. Maybe that's a bad example for <laughs> Texas. But, yeah. but 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 that's where Rice was. And they're getting to a point now where the three offensive linemen that they signed uh, are guys that don't have to play next year and shouldn't play next year. And that's a really good thing, especially when you when you like they have the and, and you saw this last year when Rice took um, a couple of tackles um, that that didn't play this year, but were kind of the guys who had more of the the NFL measurables kind of type bodies as opposed to, you know, some of the smaller guys that were, were good right now, but but didn't have the upside. Uh, these guys both have that kind of sweet spot of they have. You know, if Rice had to throw them in, like they could get by, but also they have the upside to they could build on talent plus skill set. And that gets me really excited. I, I think the offensive line is an area that I've seen get better from where it was two years ago. I don't think it's up to the standard that Bloomberg wants it or where it can be. And the more 300 pound guys you have, that can move quickly and hit people like Isaiah Floyd can, it gets a lot easier to achieve that. Yeah. Um, The other things I wanted to hit on for the offensive class, um, 
it's hard to say about the wide receivers in terms of, you know, if, if you're looking for areas where there are going to be immediate contributors, um, it could be one of these wide receivers. I, I think that position is in is so much in flux. Like, I don't know if if Austin Trammell chooses to use the extra year of eligibility, uh, assuming Brad Rosner's back next year. Uh, Jake Bailey came on really well at the end of the season when he was kind of the only option. Um, you know, they could be quite set a wide receiver and we don't see any of these guys for a little while, but um, they got an intriguing grad transfer or grad trans. Uh, he was, he was at New Mexico for three years. I don't know if he's actually, so a, he, he redshirted played this. And someone was asking me on Twitter, how many years I'm like, it's so weird to figure out, do that math right now yeah. in 2020. So he redshirted and played two seasons. So he's a redshirt sophomore. So in a traditional year, I believe he would have two years to play too, but also everyone got a free year of eligibility this year. Yeah. And so I believe that means he has three years to play three. I, I think that's it as well. I, I, um, I think that's right. And he's sort of a smaller, like a kind of explosive slot guy type, which is nice to have um, Peyton Stevenson, who is, Six three one ninety. Um, it's really great to like the prototypical X receiver type uh, that they love to have that they had last year with Rosner. Um, that they really didn't have anybody to be this year. Um, yeah, Bloomgren said uh, I was asking him about the the thin numbers at wide receiver and, and these guys, and he said we would have played Peyton Stevenson this year if we had him. And I'm like, <laughs> you're darn right, you would have. He would have been your starting X receiver. Um, but let this year be a lesson that you can never have too many athletic dudes at wide receiver because we we thought they were going to be real deep this year or we thought that they could be real deep this year and then uh suddenly they had nobody because that's uh that's just how it went uh and then the other thing to obviously to talk about on offense is quarterback like you generally want at least one quarterback in every signing class uh rice got their guy this year in i realized we we went over his first name his first name is shoki uh-huh uh but is his last name itrash Yes. Okay. I Just believe to... so. We. <laughs> I, that is, and that's been... not even the hardest name in this signing class. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I I had been saying his last name that way in my head, and then I realized I I never actually checked that the way we did with Shoki. But um, what it looked like to me with him, based on what I've uh, the little bit of 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 film highlights I've watched on him, um, is that he might be a little raw. And he definitely didn't play in an offense that is much like the one he will be playing in at Rice. So I wouldn't expect him to be a guy that comes in and, and seizes a job right away or, or even pushes to the backup right away. But um, he's got a cannon. Yeah. Um, like not even like, you know, every every high school, every quarterback recruits um, high, highlight tape is just them like throwing touchdowns. But his were a lot of just deep stuff and not like the, you know, a lot of them you can tell that they don't quite have the arm because it'll be these moon shots that they throw way up in the air that that die and the receiver has to come all the way back to. This kid launches is launching lasers like down the field. Every single one of those. I like it. It, it was enough to really pop. Yeah, and it was it was interesting with his his recruitment, right? Because so Rice didn't sign a high school quarterback last year. They added Mike Collins and uh, a, another guy from the the JUCO right 
ranks in, in McMahon that they really like is a, uh, I guess he has four. He had three years. I guess he has four. Well, this would have been a year. So he still has three years, but delayed. Um, <laughs> so they have him, they have Giovanni. Uh, we don't know what the, the future holds with, with Mike at the, the time of recording. So they have some options. And, and the thing that I really like uh, about Shoki and was interesting that, you know, most, most schools, I can't remember. Well, I guess maybe Alabama is the exception to this, oddly <laughs> enough, that takes two high school quarterbacks. They'll take the five star wonder kid and then like the three star one that just is happy to be there and knows he might not play. Um, the and Mac Jones. Yeah. And sometimes that three three star grows up to be a Heisman candidate himself. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, go figure. We'll take hey, if, if Shoki's a Heisman candidate, man, that I'm in. Yeah, I'll take it. That'd be fun. Um, but so at the time that he kind of committed from Florida, a lot of the Florida schools that are, you know, in, in, in the pecking order with Rice, not your Florida, Florida States, but, you know, the uh, FAU, UCF, Central Florida, that kind of the, the, the folks that would be recruiting his area. A lot of folks had already grabbed their quarterbacks and he was, you know, kind of later getting onto the scene. So when Rice was able to go in uh, to Florida and get him, I was I was particularly intrigued and. Uh, I won't pretend to be a, a quarterback whisperer, but when I watch his tape, one of the things that was really interesting to me is this dude is just fearless. And like you, ev- like you mentioned, like everyone, every quarterback has the 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 bomb touchdowns and the plays like that. But the number of plays on his highlight, re- just the highlight reels, where he would deliver a laser and then just end up with his face in the turf, <laughs> like. It was over and over. I don't know like, if, if his offensive line was just bad, but he had no problem like stepping up, waiting and finding. And it wasn't like hanging around in the pocket too long. It was like, man, if I just give him a half more second, he's going to be free um, and making that throw. So this dude is this dude is tough. And by golly, we will have a quarterback that makes it through a season at some point. You know, maybe <laughs> it will be Shoki. I don't know. But uh a good kind of developmental guy that I think if you have a couple, uh, a couple springs and off seasons in this offense to, to train up, that's, that's where you want to be. And, and Rice will take the, uh, the freshman that is so amazing that he gets on the field right away. But yeah, I think wouldn't more, often, about that. more often than not, you are, you're probably going to see, like we saw with Giovanni, you know, the, the progression of coming in, learning things and kind of slowly taking the reins. And and I, I hope and we kind of talked about this in the the previous podcast, you know, what percentage of, you know, the the Marshall UAB scheme was the offense being pared down for Giovanni and his right. ability and what what percentage was Giovanni not being able to execute the full bore of the offense. I, I it's probably somewhere in the middle, but like you'll see that progression. And, you know, whether it's Shoki, Mike, the, the quarterback room actually has uh, a lot of options, which is good. Uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But like you said, you, you have to you have to get another quarterback every year, period, especially with the portal list, how it is. So check that box. Yeah. Um, shall we move over to defense? Uh, yes, I do want to hit on one more guy. Uh we in in I can't believe we get, let him get too far down our, our notes. <laughs> you know who I'm getting to Jagger. Yeah, uh, we I, have I, a, I, I'm just a Jager and a Jagger. The Rice has to like fulfill their quota of guys that are named J A blank 
G G A R. <laughs> it's so great. At, at tight end specifically. Yeah, and this dude, uh, when they they brought in Nate Camper last year, he was kind of your slot guy down the field, um, more of your vertical threat tight end. Uh, Jager is a like a he's a true H back. He's six four, two twenty five. You can put him in line. You can put him in the backfield. Uh, he's kind of a a blend of what uh, Jordan Myers and and uh, the other Jager Bull can do which uh man i would take that but uh i think you're gonna start seeing uh well you saw this year with no receivers uh, a premium on on what the tight ends were asked to do in this offense uh i'm excited for him and uh i really like jack bradley we're gonna have i i there we might get to the point if the receiver position stays up and down where rice is going full stanford and just running out awesome tight ends all over the field I mean, if they're doing that, if they're, uh, you know, living up to that 2012-13 area of Rice tight ends that put two that are still on the NFL, uh, you know, there's a nice combined tight end heritage there that, uh, you know, I would not complain about, about seeing them get back to that level. Yeah, I think he was the only, I'm like, we have to, we have to get, yeah, yeah Jager, now, now I, my, my names are mixed up, but we had to yeah, get I don't there's two G's in there, so I want to. I, we should probably just check the the, the Twitter feed and get and see the. Uh, there are the no bull- Joe Smith. Oh, I, there's no Joe Smith. <laughs> there is a John Long, one of the offensive <laughs> linemen. So we close enough. Yeah, we go from John Long to Jager. And uh, <laughs> on that theme, moving over to defense, we do have two safeties with the last name Williams that are both from Alabama, but they are not related. That's correct. <laughs> Uh, so, so to defense, um, the jewel of this class, uh, on, on either side of the ball is probably DJ Arkansas, which is honestly just like low key. One of the best names, like we all know the, 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 the really crazy ones, your, your like Kobe Buffalo meat or whoever, the ones that have those names is just stand out. But <laughs> the name DJ Arkansas, like that, that seems like it would just be a dude who like, think about the sort of person you meet who introduces himself to you as DJ Arkansas. Like that's his, you know, he DJs on the weekends and that's his stage name. What, what kind of music does DJ Arkansas play? You know, he kind of sounds like, uh, one of those uh, characters out of a Matthew McConaughey movie. <laughs> I don't know why that kind of fits yeah. me, but like you could see just no, McConaughey like walking like through it. Austin. Yeah. And, hey DJ. <laughs> hey there. I'm i uh, I'm DJ Arkansas. It's <laughs> a good draw. <laughs> and this is great. And one of the, one of my favorite things about DJ Arkansas, and you can't understate this, is so DJ Arkansas was the first defensive offer this staff made. And Rice is, I don't know if conservative is the right word, but the, the way Alex Brown, the director of recruiting, likes to say it is they hunt with a sniper rifle and not a shotgun. And they're very specific when they offer somebody. And so whereas you might see there's probably programs around the country right now that have thrown out 100 offers for the 2022 class already. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, let me go pull up the offer tracker I have right now. Rice has extended six offers in, in 2022 and that one in 2023, actually. And that's Juma's uh, little brother, who's fantastic. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, but if you're looking past this year, seven offers so far. So Rice is pretty uh, selective when they come to, and so when they offered DJ Arkansas, uh, 
all these months ago. He was he was the first defensive offer, and they said, "Dude, you're our guy, and we're committed." And that mattered to him because after Rice offered uh, in October of last year, that really does feel like a hundred years ago. Uh, he started to get uh, really, really picking up and got offers from a handful of uh, Power Five schools across the country. But my favorite is Arkansas, and I don't know about when you see rice kids get offered by sec programs carter but i generally have the <gasps> gulp and it, see what it, happens it makes you stand up and take note yeah and dj arkansas got an offer from arkansas and decided he'd rather be at rice and whenever rice can beat arkansas especially with how things are going right now like that was a pretty is as good of a a pandemic year as you could have gotten like we don't need to go full razor back but they're kind of trending up. Yeah, yeah. No, they had a, I mean, like the ultimate results weren't great, but they, it was a whole lot better than anyone expected. It was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and DJ I mean, and Sam Pitt, Sam Pittman's a heck of a recruiter too. Like that is the reason he is there in that job. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that you could, DJ Arkansas's last name is Arkansas. Like, just imagine a linebacker lining up there in the, uh, you know, in 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 that red with that with that hog on the side of his helmet with the name Arkansas on the back. There's of his not jersey. an easier recruiting pitch to make. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just thinking like if you have a, a a top like this this is a kid who like Arkansas wanted him like he could be playing in the SEC like if you have a, a prime kid from Texas that like signs with you know michigan or somewhere else like how much of a failure is that as a <laughs> like you couldn't sign texas i did i so that was a uh, bloomgren was honestly more happy he also had an offer from duke which they they place a premium on beating out offers from vanderbilt so they beat out some guys from vanderbilt offers duke uh northwestern stanford that kind of academic athletic yeah framework that's kind of where their bigger concerns are uh, but you know either way they beat out some big guys uh for this one and uh at least i believe didn't ryan's still alive in the, in the playoffs and this guy is just awesome and so it's you know i we haven't kind of we don't we will get some more clarity on like you mentioned, what what guys are, are staying and going from the linebacker class. But in the event that we we lose Blaze Aldrich, which I <laughs> tear uh, is, is, you know, probably more likely uh, than not. Man, getting DJ Arkansas. They also added Aiden Ciano, who is probably one of the most under recruited guys in this class. Kenny Seymour, uh, a kid from Houston and Desmond Baker, who was a, a Juco kid that Rice actually kind of talked to went before he went to the juco route and came back around and got him post juco um so that that kind of full circle relationship was pretty cool but this linebacker class signing four linebackers uh with uh you know grammar and, and aldridge as your seniors i you kind of have an embarrassment of riches now especially with you know how we feel about the the guys that are already in the room uh even beyond that yeah um and you know those those JUCO linebackers have worked out pretty well for this staff so far. So uh... yeah, there's a precedent. <laughs> the, the, I don't the batting average on JUCO players just having functional success, not even stardom, is is probably below fifty percent. I would or at there. 
yeah, it tends to be it's it's going heavy on them. It tends to be very much like a quick fix strategy for teams, and and often it's not even uh, the fix part doesn't even come through. So yeah, so Rice is is the JUCO factory, which is great because <laughs> if you you do you really have to thread the needle to find the JUCO kid that can get into Rice and then yeah. be the elite at athletic stud. It's insane. So, yeah, linebacker, really, really good. And then you mentioned with the offense, uh, the offensive side of the ball, the size. Uh, Rice got some some more protein uh, on the defensive yeah. line as well. There, Rice is going to be like, I feel like we knew this was like coming when Bloomgren was hired, that they were going to get some some, you know, intellectual brutality. Uh, but to finally see like a lot of 300 pound men on the roster that are only going to get bigger with muscle. um, it's exciting, man. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited that they got two, two, three hundred pounders uh, for the interior defensive line and a guy who's 270 coming out of high school, which is is, you know, there are plenty of like upper tier power five programs that will sign 270 pound interior defensive linemen like you can gain plenty of weight and be a perfectly good size from that. Um, and, and you know, I have I've harped all along about how you need to be deep on the defensive line and particularly in the interior because those dudes just get tired during games. And the more of them that are capable of playing and the more, the more that you can get in there and rotate guys in and out, the fresher they'll be over the course of a game. Um, and to actually get some real size there so that you're not, you know, with, with all respects to the dudes in that room so that you're not playing, you know, 250 pound guys at nose tackle. Um, that's big. Um, yeah, literally, actually... literally and figuratively. I actually went went back and, and looked with the, the, the size of the, the signees. And I'm like, when's the last time that Rice was playing a 300 pound guy uh, in the interior of the defensive line? Because uh, I was just curious. Uh, Elijah Garcia has been like right at 300 uh, through his career. So yeah. he's, he's probably right there. Uh, so you have him. But I went back. Uh, Zach Abercrombie and Roe Wilkins, the right before kind of getting here as at the beginning uh, of when Bloomgren arrived, they were right under that mark for, for most of their time. And they were pretty impactful. And you start going back and I'm just like, which just, just hasn't been a thing because you don't you don't get too many 300 pound guys on the interior of of group of five defensive lines. And when you do, those are, you know, usually the ones that are up there and all of the metrics that Rice would like to be. Yeah. And, you know, and they were, they were shallow enough at defensive tackle over the last couple seasons that I was actually a little nervous about losing Isaiah Floyd to the offensive line. Uh, obviously that worked out, uh, but because nobody got hurt on the defensive. Yeah. Interior. Right. Yeah. That one group that actually stayed healthy. Um, it's amazing what can happen if you stay healthy. Like, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, really excited about getting that size. Um, and then in the secondary, uh, I mentioned the the Alabama Williamses, um, who are both guys that that play safety that are in that like five eleven to six one hundred ninety ish pound range, um, which is, you know, you gotta have guys who can who are big and athletic and can run in this defense as much man coverage as they play in as many different guys as they ask to do that um and so it's always good to to just get those you know and even you know 
to some extent for what they want to do, you know, if you have to settle for it, sometimes you just want to take the athlete and then you can teach him to play defensive back. But these are the guys that have the size and the athleticism and are already playing the position in high school. So, well, uh, and, and I will add on on Joshua Williams. So it's it's crazy. You, you don't really kind of think about it as on the the upper tier, maybe of, of some of these because a, a lot of these, you know, blue chip four star, five star kids are are coming from I'm not going to say a handful of, of programs, uh, but it's it's a lot of the 5A, 6A bigger school and the athletes around them. Like it's it's a rare day when the five star comes out of a, a 2A school in in the, you know, North Panhandle of Texas with no other D1 talent around him. Like more often than not, you're, you're finding these these clusters of, of talented players uh, and Joshua Williams, he played corner and safety in, in high school. He also played quarterback. He also <laughs> returned punts. He did everything, just about everything, but snapped the ball uh, for, for his uh, team that went 15 and 0, won the state championship. And so like, it's, it's so fun getting there. I don't, we, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before the number of former quarterbacks on the rice roster right now that are playing yeah. other things. It's probably a, at least a, at least a dozen right now, probably more. Well, um, and it's funny, according to Rice's release on this signing class, so it, his team, Linden, won the 1A state championship in Alabama, which is the smallest classification. Um, and it, with him basically playing that role of doing everything, um, last year, the team that won the, um, the 1A state championship was Lynette, which was led by a kid named Christian Story who played that exact same role of quarterback, safety, punt return, like literally anything that you can do to get the football into your hands. He played it, and he ended up uh, signing to play safety at Alabama. So, um, yeah, a a solid tradition of guys who do everything for their one-year schools uh, and lead them to championships in the state of Alabama turning out to be pretty good players. So uh, hopefully that happens for Josh, too. And... uh... This was Louisiana, but uh, Adrian Bickham was a guy from the the 2019. I guess no, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been the 2019 signing class, but from Louisiana, another 1A uh, kid that uh, played in a uh, tiny high school that you kind of watch them. It, it's it's fun because you watch their tape and he's just you just you see the D1 guy playing with not D1 guys. Yeah, and they just it's just like it's a joke because they're just. They're wrecking people because it's just it's not a fair fight. But you especially see it on the on the lower levels. And so and he's he's uh, made a couple plays. I, he, he was one of the few players that played in every game as a true freshman. Uh, a lot of special teams uh, getting in, a, I guess, Russian linebacker a little bit uh, this year too. Adrian Bickham. So uh, it's fun. There's a rice. Has, it's gone both ends. You know, DJ Arkansas from a, a big time program in Texas. And then now f- finding uh, some guys from. Uh, you know, small town, Alabama. Is that, <laughs> is that fair? Yeah. I'm not up to date on my Alabama geography. Yeah. But, uh, I couldn't personally tell you where Linden is. I honestly don't know where it is off the top of my head. There you go. Um, <laughs> so there's those guys. And then we, we do, I do want to hit two, two other guys that I thought were interesting. Uh, Jojo Jean, Jonathan Jean, uh, a, a corner, the only corner that Rice has in this class to date and they, and they brought in a couple guys and I'm Sean fresh was hurt 
uh, for most of this year. We didn't really see it. I'm really bummed because I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, so we didn't get to really see Sean Fresh, but they brought in Jordan Dunbar, a couple corners, uh, and then they had the corners playing this year were not the ones that they thought were going to be starting. <laughs> so they're pretty set from a depth perspective at corner. So they didn't really need to go and get uh, a ton of guys. But uh, uh, Jonathan Jean, a guy they added uh, out of Florida at the end of the signing class, 5'10", 155, uh, kind of has some uh, some rangy and some of that. Uh, I don't know what it is. Just kind of has a tendency to be be there and make plays. Uh, so he'll be fun to watch. He he was a guy that the, the staff cited as kind of a, a late bloomer and an up and comer. And then the other one that we didn't hit to when we talked about the defensive line is, is Cal Varner. And he was a one year starter at, at Katie. And for uh, <laughs> those who don't pay attention, the Tigers are pretty good at football. And uh, <laughs> if you can start on that defense, you're probably doing all right. And uh, I saw I saw I saw a box score from whatever their most recent playoff game was like this week. And they were I don't even I think it was like third quarter and they were winning like 57 to six or something bizarre. Someone will go tweet me and find me about that. But I'm like, aren't we in like the late rounds of the playoffs and they're still beating people by 50? (laughs) It's just it's insane. Yeah. But yeah, so one year starter and Rice's had has kind of had to thread the needle because a lot of the guys that get three years of film and are good enough to go D one by the time they're, they're juniors and getting around to committing, like they have, they have a lot, a lot of options and rice is, is one of those options. So going in and, and getting guys like Varner who were, who were one year starters that kind of came out of nowhere. I think probably the, the most notable one from the, the previous class would be the guy who was, the I guess now he's the number one rated signee in in program history. Is that uh, yeah, on? I believe so. Yeah, yeah Gabe, uh, Gabe, Gabe Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, that is is that exactly? Um, he you know obviously uh, a guy whose uh, name is well known for certain reasons, but uh, you know the reason they were able to get him is because he he played like what one year of high school football and just wasn't on everybody's radar as a prospect and. They got in early and and uh, got the offer out and then and, and managed to get him on campus. Yeah, but like Kirk Lockhart was a guy at safety that he started for most of this year. Uh, another one year starter out of, at Cedar Hill. You know, guys in front of him that went and played D one and are pretty good. So uh, Rice has, has gotten pretty good at, at finding the guys and, and figuring out which ones are worth taking chances on. Uh, so Varner is an interesting guy, defensive end for Katie that. You know, didn't have a lot of film, but came on uh, really, really strong late. And the only defensive end, really only true, like, edge rusher, uh, probably. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, you might be able to throw, like, Desmond Baker, the Juco linebacker in that in that bucket, too. But who knows how they'll shake out once they get to Rice. But, yeah, another name. So, lots of pieces. I think you mentioned on, in terms of wish lists, running back is probably the one that they're is still out there. I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm kind of looking through the just projected depth charts in my head. Like they're probably set. I'm looking offensive line, tight end wide receiver quarterback. I mean, maybe we need like four more wide receivers. <laughs> Bloomgren joked about just scrapping the entire class and signing 15 wide receivers. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, 
I know that's not a real option, but. <laughs> so probably set there. Uh, I selfishly, I I would if there's a another edge rusher, they could add, maybe from the the grad grad transfer market. Yeah, that's another group you can never have too many of. Yeah, about to say having having somebody proven at that spot because I I sacks are fun and I think Rice could get more of those. Um, <laughs> that that would probably be bold, my wish. Old stance. And then if there's another, you know, just grad transfer quarterback, if we're just going to keep going that route, I like I, I like the ones we have. But if if the progression was we went from a career backup at the FBS level to an FCS starter to a part time FBS quarterback, the next level up is a full time FBS quarterback as a transfer. If we're making the grad transfer jumps, right? Yeah, yeah. Seems logical. Anybody else? Yeah, not that anyone cares <laughs> what we think uh, would be nice to have, but uh, any other pieces that, that we need to see for our cherry on top? I guess we're we're down to like, what, eight, nine weeks left before actual signing day in February? Yeah. Um. You know, the thing is that this, like, even if none of the seniors use their extra year of eligibility, this is still, like a team that gets back most like it was still a pretty young team this year. Like they still get back most of most of the depth chart. So there aren't many positions where it's just like, man, they need to sign a guy right now because they're, you know, they just don't have any depth at that position. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if there's like, you, you definitely need a running back because the, the depth chart there is going to be fairly thin next year. But beyond that, I mean, they got, you know, they got a tight end. They got plenty of wide receivers and offensive and defensive linemen. They got plenty of linebackers. Um, maybe you would take one more corner if you found a guy you liked, um, just because that's a position where it never hurts to to take a couple guys in every class. But um, no, I mean, the, what, what needs they had in terms of building depth for the future, I think they really hit just about all of them already in this class. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting now because you can you fill that all, all you really got all of your all of your needs and now it's just kind of uh picking and and choosing. And I got I got a message on from a, a patron I guess a couple weeks ago now at, at this point that I I put on the let's talk about when we get to signing day list that I'm I'm pulling up now. Uh, and, and he just kind of mentioned what is what happens with the scholarships and the recruiting classes after 2020 when because this is a free year for everybody right but you don't get any additional scholarship release relief i I, from my understanding beyond this like they're not the the seniors that are getting the extra year are kind of getting grandfathered in uh but it's not like they're handing you free scholarship counts you're only allowed to decide 25 more guys uh each season so i think it's going to be really interesting when you get to 2022 yeah, it's because a, like so next year, none of the seniors who come back count. And so that's how like that's how it's fine. It, like you still can't bring in more than 25 guys like there's still that restriction. And next year, like next year, it'll just be like the the everything's kind of thrown out. But like by all accounts, it seems like at least now you'll be back to 85 for 2022, which seems insane to me because the thing is, it's not. It's it, it will be one thing if this year was just like, oh, 
all the seniors get an extra year. But it's not that. This year didn't count for anybody. Everybody functionally got an extra year this year. And so you're going to be running into this problem until like, what, 2024, 2025, <laughs> basically? So I don't, I don't understand how they can just, and you know, I don't know, maybe you say by like 23 or something, it just needs to have all worked out and be, you'd be back at 85. But like, I don't know what they're going to do. And it's going to be a very weird year, like off season between 2021 and 2022, if they just hard put that 85 limit back in because. Yeah, because you know, if, if they do like, you have attrition and you have guys come and leave, come and go and just transfer and, and whatnot. But like, there's not a single program in the country that can sign 25 guys. And like, unless you have a, like a mass exodus, like nobody's signing 25 guys in 2022. And like, you're probably like, you're going to have programs signing single digits. If there's no, there's no further adjustment. Like, right. If you, if you've brought yeah. in another 20 this year, like you're going to have like, okay, we have seven spots. <laughs> like you're, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. Cause you're literally going to make it. You are reducing the number of athletic scholarships that are out there for football players. Like it. Yeah. But as of things, as things stand right now, like, I guess that's, what's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see if that gets adjusted, but but for now, TBD. Yeah, we don't know, but you know that's that's 2020. That we don't know, but uh, I think we we have kind of kind of gone through all the pieces now, and I think all altogether, if you'd have told me that Rice could sign the uh, you know best rated class in program history last year and then be right on there this year and basically be done, like they need a running back, but. Everybody else they get at this point, like we kind of mentioned uh, a little bit, the grad transfer they picked up, Trey Patterson uh, from New Mexico. Uh, I went ahead. He had two touchdown catches at New Mexico. I put both of those in the the write up of his commitment post. Uh, he has wheels, man. Like he's really fast. <laughs> had had three uh, three different offensive coordinators, I believe, in three years at New Mexico, and 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 kind of was in and, in and out of the field, but. Man, uh, we have been asking for however many years now, Carter, for somebody who could take the top off the defense, and we haven't really found anyone healthy enough to do that yet. So that would be fun. But yeah, at this point, all you should see in the 21 class is fun stuff, like <laughs> ad adding the right pieces. Like, Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully... Uh... Hopefully Patterson can be that guy who who really takes the top off for, th for them because that's that's definitely one thing that's been missing. But yeah, no, I mean, like I said, what what needs you felt there were aside from maybe an additional running back like they, they pretty much got it all covered already. So whatever they have, you know, whatever the spots they have left in February are really just going to be like. You know, is who's the guy we like the most, like, is, is there a guy that that stands out that you. It's it's exactly like you said. It's a want not need thing. Like if you if you want the guy and you can get him, then then that's your guy. Yeah, and maybe you wait. And especially with how like I don't know how many people have entered the portal in the past week, but it's been feels like hundreds. <laughs> yeah, like I I would not put it and 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 you saw this a little bit last year. Like programs aren't like 
National Signing Day is the day that signing opens. It's not the day that it ends. So you could see kids like Rice needs people on campus for a normal offseason of workouts in like June. So you could very well see them kind of wait and see what goes on with the portal. And if you can get a running back that you want and feel really good about or another piece before workouts start in June, assuming we get back to a normal season, which who knows? But yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of time. We'll see. But altogether, I, I feel really good. I think we we both do about this class. And we've gone through, man, a, a lot. We had we've gone through offseason thoughts on 2020 in the previous podcast. We hit on National Signing Day in the current class. And this one we have the Roosties coming up, <laughs> which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, then I think we've we've almost put a bow on the most bizarre podcasting season yet. Yeah, just look forward to that. We'll be we'll be back with a few more things. See y'all soon and rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.